Hello and welcome to Home Impressions, a podcast where we ask our guests to tell us about five encounters with people, objects or ideas that have had a lasting impact on their practice and have shaped the artists that we see today. This episode has been kindly supported by Gucci, a long-term collaborator and supporter of Home. And today I'm joined by Joy Yamasangi. Super excited because Joy is one of my best, best friends, dear friends, collaborators, inspirations, just all round fabulous, fabulous person who um, I've had the pleasure and honor of being friends with and working with in a number of ways across our practices. Um, It's really special that we're starting this podcast with Joy as our first guest as our exhibition, Wata Further Explorations, was the exhibition that opened home in November 2020. It showed our film, Wata, that we made collaboratively alongside um, relevant works that we had worked on separately, paintings and photography within the space. Joy Yamasangi is a visual artist specialising in illustration and experimenting with a range of traditional processes such as drawing, film, painting, collaging to produce mixed media pieces. They currently have a show on at Taiwani Contemporary titled Remember Me. And today, Joy will be talking about their impressions, which inspired them and influenced and shaped their body of work that they're showing at Taiwani. So welcome, Joy, to Home Impressions. Hello. Hi. That was a really good introduction, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> really nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much for being our first guest and not only the joy, a joy to speak to you in general, um, <laughs> but I'm really, really excited to hear more about the background for Remember Me. Um, so could you start by telling us your first impression? Yeah. Um, so the first thing that I thought of um, in relation to this show was um, this book that I read that's called None of the Above and it's by Travis Alabanza. Um, it's actually quite a few things that, that that artist has made that has influenced me um, from like the play Burgers to um, Sound of the Underground. But I thought of this book because um, at the beginning of the series, um, a lot of the series is about uh, like gender identity. And mm-hmm. this book uh, takes apart seven different phrases that has been said to them over, I guess, like um, their lifetime. Um, okay, and wow they uh unpack some some parts are like funny and some parts are really serious and it's all about being uh, a non-binary um, trans person of color um I definitely recommend recommend it as a read but um yeah I felt like it was like a core cool part of like the influences for this for this series yeah was there a specific phrase in mind that you read or was it kind of just a flow in the way that they've described their experience through these kind of distinct moments that inspired you what was it exactly um to be honest I would just say the whole entire book actually no I would say the ending of the book so you have to read the whole entire thing I'm not gonna spoil (laughs) spoil how it goes but um but it's it just felt very relatable um things that had been that I've like heard and has been said to me but I've never thought too much about and okay I don't know it just I think that's just what helped get me like thinking about myself and um, how I feel about gender and like, and then inspire the paintings. Um, mm. Yeah, I'd say that because was like, the, the beginning. Well, actually, when did you first discover Tra- Travis Alabanza's work? Oh, that's a really good question. And I don't actually know. It was probably through Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably through Instagram. I feel like I discover a lot of artists through Instagram and yeah. um, I just like, 
a fan over their work and want to support in ways I really like what they're doing and Travis is probably someone that I followed from like ages ago and just it's been nice to see um their work grow and grow and they had something like yeah um at the I think it's a uh, it was like a royal royal theater I think it is and, and it was a play called Sound of the Underground and that was absolutely amazing like the costumes the um the performances it was it was like the best thing I've seen the best thing I've seen wow yeah wow great and so do you feel that literature and books inspire or kind of influence your practice more broadly as well or is it often is it does do your inspirations come from a wide range of places um I'd say a wide range of places I'd say that my main inspiration is actually music um I'm always listening to music when I'm creating work I always have headphones I'm always listening to like a podcast the paintings are never like they're not meant to be quiet they're meant to be loud and full of sound and music is it's just something that it it like it directs at the pace of the paintings the flow of Mm -hmm. it um even like the brush strokes I think it has an influence on the way that I work the kind of marks that I'm making the things I'm thinking about my mood so that's like the biggest my biggest uh source of inspiration so when you talk about the music the flow of the music inspiring like or informing the brush strokes and the pace of the piece what does that mean so if I'm listening to something that's like really um upbeat and uh just like has a lot going on then I feel like I'm working really fast and like making like really energetic strokes and lots of color whereas and then sometimes I'm listening to something like if I'm working on like something that has a lot more detail requires a lot of focus and I'm usually listening to like a podcast on like 99% or um or if I'm listening to slower paced music then it's I think that's what I mean by like it sets the pace of the piece mm-hmm. and like how I'm mm. working um, just in the same way that if you're listening to music and you're walking down the street, if you're listening to like something super upbeat, you're probably going to be like pacing down the street. Um, <laughs> and then if you're listening to something like super slow, I think that's what music does to me when I'm working. Um, yeah. yeah. And so that brings us on to your second impression. Tell us about this song and it titles your show. Yeah, so um, my second impression is a song called Remember Me by Diana Ross. I actually named the show after the song. That's how obsessed I am with the song. (laughs) Like, first of all, it's an amazing song. Um, Diana Ross can sing. Um, (laughs) I cannot sing, but I have tried to sing this version. (laughs) Many times, I'm sure, your own rendition. It's just a great song. And I think, so what the song is actually about, it's like, or at least what I've interpreted it to be about is like um, she has just it's like an end of like like a breakup and she is saying to the person that she's just broken up with like remember all the good times we had remember me um, whenever you drink uh, wine remember me whenever think of me as like um, like a carnival that never ends and like think like mm. think of all like the good things that we had together because I think I think sometimes when like you break up by like any kind of relationship it can be quite easy to think about like all the bad things yeah the negative um, things sure that had gone on but um there were lots of good times and I think it feels like she's saying remember all of those good things like it's I'm okay with us ending um 
and she even mentions a line about like oh I know about the new person the new person that you're with but no, um, just remember the good times that we had and I think that's mm. kind of nice it feels like a a very like uh mature parting um and I love that song yeah just... yeah and so the pieces in the show which some of them will also be shown at the show that I've curated at Carl Friedman Gallery in Margate which opens now will be opening at the end of April as well which is super exciting the, the paintings that make up um remember me and that you'll be showing and to be held in Margate are they moments to remember do they relate in that sense also are they kind of are you depicting things that you'd want people to remember of you or do they not align in that way at all? Um, so the two very different scenes. So one of them was actually the first painting that I made um, as part of the series and it's called Remember Me. Um, it is a like dining room setting and it is, it's just what I was explaining, that kind of like breakup situation where you're uh, maybe on like the last day and you're remembering um, not remembering, but you're about to part ways. One of them catches mm. that setting. And the other one is like a car scene. Um, I made that in, well, that one was like made in a studio in response to like live music by musicians. But what mm. I was thinking when I was making that was just about like car rides and how that like, it's a setting that a lot of like intimate conversations take place because like you're both yeah. kind of like looking well everyone in the car is just like looking ahead and it makes it a lot easier to talk about things without like direct eye contact so I think it's a lot easier to get into deeper conversations whilst driving um mm. and there's also the journeying aspect of that as well isn't there or when I got my new BMW in September and absolutely you and Eleanor <laughs> absolutely. To, to drive you two minutes down the road and us with our hands at the top of the car singing t-pain <laughs> yeah absolutely it's that is, that. yeah I think there's so many like fun memories that like just happens in a car like car rides somewhere or just like riding around even if it's just like around the area or just like chatting with friends and um like when we went on that trip there's so many uh conversations yeah. that happened in a car and that piece is is like that and I hope that for different people it means it means something different like maybe something more personal to them um, but I just called that one Untitled because it hasn't quite got a name. It's Untitled Drive, so I, I know that what it is, but it hasn't actually got a proper name yet. But that actually says quite a lot, I think, Untitled Drive, because as you said, there are so many different feelings or moments or, yeah, there is so much that one can go through in that experience of being in a car, whether you're driving or you're in a passenger or you're at the back and you're just listening or you're looking out the window. Actually, there's so much that make up those little bits of journey um do you remember at all being in the car as a child did your parents or guardians drive or is that something that yeah that happened kind of before yeah actually yeah I do I remember driving to a lot of parties and um on the way back just being like in that point where you're just about to fall asleep but you're still kind of awake and it's like a really nice warm feeling like the feeling of like the mm. engine being on kind of like it's like soothing you to sleep and um if you're on like a motorway all you can see is just like the red and white and yellow lights from like cars and like I remember lots of that coming home really really late just from like uh like the parties that my parents wanted to go to and like listening to music with my family and how um, they would let us pick one cd um to 
uh, play in the car and I would always just pick Destiny's Child. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you, which album? Uh, I had all the albums because I'd asked for them as like birthday presents. Um, And I think my parents also liked them because it was like at the end, they ended with like a gospel track. So it's like (laughs) all the other stuff that's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was for everyone, definitely. And like, it was just like, I loved all of the albums at the first one, which was just called Destiny's Child. That was probably my favorite one to play in the car. So, so your next show after this, I'm assuming, is going to be called like Joys Fulfilled. <laughs> I thought you were about to say Destiny Show. <laughs> but yeah, maybe, no. yeah, maybe we do <laughs> Yeah, maybe it'll be like her Destiny Show song. We'll see what song I'm, I'm obsessed with then. So, <laughs> and then the rest of the paintings in the Remember Me series. Uh, are there any other kind of key moments, like the car, that make up any of the scenes that you depict? That, that are key moments from it. Um, yeah, yeah. I would probably say, oh, that's quite a tough one because there's some that actually didn't, that didn't quite make the cut. Like, didn't make the cut. I don't want to say don't didn't make the cut, but aren't in the show <laughs> because like, sure. Um, I just didn't want to squeeze in everything at once. So there's stuff that was part of the series but actually isn't on show, and there's also some paintings that are going to be at um, Cork Street in the Freed's viewing, viewing room so they're still part of the series but they're not in the main space um, so yeah I think well one painting that I think I do want to talk about is, is the is the Rodeo King one it's called Remember Me Rodeo oh. King um, amazing which is like gigantic <laughs> it's really huge um, and that Actually, one of the, so I have like songs tied to each painting and the song that is tied to that is uh, Diana Ross's Remember Me. Um, And the, I guess the inspiration behind that one was me thinking about things that I want to do before I die and things I want to be remembered by. And obviously like, like art and all of that, (laughs) but actually I was thinking, I really want to, I really want to try those um, mechanical bulls. Amazing. Okay. I, I would it. love to be present. That's all that. I have to say. <laughs> I just feel like I would, I would be, be really good. <laughs> yeah. I would love to be present for that. And I'd also love to know if you're going to be wearing the outfit that the character in the painting is wearing for that also. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I will actually. That is a really good idea. <laughs> yeah. And actually in that painting, I think across the series and across your work in general color and scale um are really important and you mentioned that this piece remember me um rodeo uh wait remember me rodeo what's it called uh rodeo king oh rodeo king so remember me rodeo king you remember you mentioned that remember me rodeo king is really large is can you just talk a bit about the scale of the works for this specific show and also the color palette as it's you kind of explore into a couple of new tones so for the scale um I usually just work in response to the space that I have and before that I had quite a small space so I was just making small works um I moved into a new studio space which meant that I had bigger wall space so I wanted to make the big pieces that I've always wanted to make and um that's kind of how the scale came about and also I wanted when I had this image in mind I thought it had to be kind of grand and big, like, uh, and to feel is like, 
I can't think of the word, but just it to feel great. Because that's the feeling that I imagine it would feel like if I was on a mechanical book. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. But I think that that scale is really important. And I think the fact that we kind of subconsciously often equate larger scale to more important. Oh, yeah, I definitely think that we do do that. But like, I also do like making smaller works. I think the last series, I did that a lot more so, like smaller paintings and um, like liner prints. But um, for Mm. me, it's just about the space that I have. Like if I have more space and like I want to be able to use it. But then I do want to make some smaller, smaller works, even though the show is a lot of big pieces. There's probably about two pieces that are Mm. kind of small. Um, in this show I think thinking about the scale in relation to your work actually in your last show Feeling Good at Now Gallery last spring there were some of those smaller works that had such beautiful messaging um, and really impactful messaging I think the scale made them feel like it was quite an intimate experience with the viewer Um, and I think the way that you play with that is always really touches me I mean it's happened a couple of times where I've even sent you a screenshot of your own work in terms of saying like how do you feel if I'm in in that moment or in that mood and um there are some some ways that you work with words which is actually interesting that music is such a big influence because I don't know if you would call yourself a writer or a poet or a creative writer of sorts but words come into your practice um in what feels like a really fluid and natural way and I know that I don't know if we can say this but I know that you want to work on a comic or like a graphic novel and um, I don't know if there is there is text in this this body. Remember me, is there or is yeah. it mainly? Yeah, there is. There is yeah. actually some text. Um, I would not call myself a writer because I read things by writers, and I'm just not like that. <laughs> like I admire a lot of what writers do, and what I'm doing is just I'm just thinking aloud. That is. <laughs> I would personally um, disagree. As someone who does have a tattoo of something you've written from painting <laughs> on their actual hand, I personally would disagree. Because I think your words are really powerful and really impactful. Um, The text I have on my hand is from Feeling Good. And it says, I just thought about my life. Has it been mine? Mine with an underline. And I just dot, dot, dot. I want to feel good now. And that's so powerful to me, Joy. And has really helped me out in my daily life many, many, many times. And um, that's you. But, you know, I think, I don't think I can, I don't feel like I could take full credit for it because a lot of the text comes from conversations that I have with, like, the people around mm. me and my friends and, like, loved ones. Mm. Like, these are just, and, like, the paintings from that show and also from this show, they just come from, like, one-to-one conversations. So it's not mm. like it's fully me coming up with that. It's maybe something that I've said like in private or like with friends and that actually is stuck with me yeah yeah I think that's really interesting actually collaboratively and I think it's it's clear that you value your collaborator whether that's a friend you're having that conversation with and then it translates into a piece of your work um so much so that you wouldn't want to kind of take full ownership for that piece of text which appears in your work and I think when it comes to collaboration that's I mean we've talked about collaboration so many times obviously like having worked together and just in the way that we both work with other people but I think that's something I often think about with photographs is like the person I'm photographing it's in collaboration with them and I can't take sole credit for kind of the happenings but 
um i think it's uh it's less common or at least i haven't heard of it so much with um illustration or uh painting where obviously it's abstracted so actually that's another thing that i just kind of want to talk to you about it kind of is a bit of a tangent but um i always think it's quite interesting how people relate to photographs and painted work really differently and i feel that it's because painted works allow for more room like they allow for someone to project themselves more into the work because the work is already not a direct representation of something that they see whereas photographs you can see that person Mm -hmm. and you see the exact of real life so it's much harder to kind of get lost in it whereas I feel like with paintings or with illustrations there's more space to get lost because there's more space for projection and interpretation yeah I, I totally see what you mean I think it just feels like it's more um it's like the imagination, like, well, at least with like the way that yeah. I work, it's like, that's not how people actually look. It's not realistic in that way. And things don't have to be proportional. They don't have to be real. Mm. They don't have to um, make sense to the eye at first, um, which I think actually you can do with photography in like really clever ways or maybe like, mm. like collaging or through set design or makeup. There's ways of doing that, um, like still having that. Um, level of imagination um Mm. I think it depends yeah Yeah, it depends on like the art the specific artist work that you're talking about yeah of course but tell me about your third impression yeah so my third impression is uh, a trip to New York uh, that I did last year before I started working on the series um well actually before I started working on it feels like quite a while ago it's before I started working on my last series of work, which was called Feeling Good. But I still kind of refer to that trip because it was like a solo trip that I did. And then I just went to view a lot of like exhibitions and spent a lot of time with myself coming up with all these different ideas that I wanted to do. Yeah, it just kind of stuck with me. And also I feel like whenever I'm going to New York, it's, I feel like I have this idea in my head, like, I'm the main character of some like rom-com or something. (laughs) (laughs) You're the main character full stop of life in general. (laughs) And it's just got like that, um, you know, that song suddenly I see is just playing in the background and walking down the city. And like, that's literally what, that's literally what my experience is, what I feel like it feels like. But when I was in New York, actually the thing that stuck, the thing that made me list it um, in relation to this exhibition was that I went to the shop and I saw this book by an artist called Gaetano Pesce. And he is a, a, like a designer and he makes things out of resin, like clocks and chairs and even designed like a floor. I don't even know how he did it, but it just looks absolutely amazing. And the colours in that were just so... It was like red and purple and orange. Yeah, what kind of colors were they? Okay. It was very like vibrant and so like quirky. And also at the same time, you could look at some pieces and I can imagine like in some settings, if you showed some people, they'd probably say that these things are quite ugly. But actually, I Mm -hmm. loved, I loved all of the pieces. And I, um, and what are the shapes and the structures like? They're very kind of like wobbly and a bit like, um, cause like he uses resin. It almost seems like some of the colors are like dripping a little bit and blending into each other. And it feels a little bit like messy, I want to say, but in a very intentional way, like it looks yeah, 
like I absolutely love his work and I think that 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 seeing his work in New York that time um it was just in a just in a like a random shop like I then became obsessed with with his work and then came back home and then I bought like this clock that was by him um but you say bought as if you bought what well, you did buy it yeah I did buy hunted. it oh yeah it's, you hunted this I, clock down I hunted with the help of like Victoria <laughs> I hunted this clock down and um what I like about it is actually when I show people this clock I, I can I feel like it's a bit like Marmite some people like it and some people really hate it but <laughs> Um, it's a very I, interesting piece yeah it's very interesting and I love it it's like blue green and pink and it's I just like the color combinations I feel like mm-hmm. I can relate in terms of like the colors that I'm drawn to with my work I like colors that clash a little bit that you wouldn't necessarily say go um or that you wouldn't like if it, if, if, it, if you had to wear those colors in an outfit you probably wouldn't be like oh I don't really want to wear like red and purple and blue together whereas like yeah I I like the combination I like those combinations and for yeah, this series what is the color yeah yeah oh, so for yeah <laughs> so for this <laughs> perfect so for this series um well actually if I like backtrack a little bit um I started looking at like a lot of like Congolese fashion and one of the things that I came across was this rule about like you only being able to pick like three colors at a time um and so I for this series the main colors I would say are red and purple and I always find it hard to pick the third color I wouldn't count black and white in it but for this one I'd probably say it's blue like a light a light blue mm-hmm. um, but the main two colors are red and purple there's red and purple everywhere in the show and they look great together well actually red goes with absolutely you- everything <laughs> Can you describe uh, the tones of red? Like, what type of red and purple are they? So, for anyone who hasn't seen or is just listening, um, so I love every shade of red. So, so <laughs> every shade of red possible. Um, and with the purple, it's like a it's like a lilac, like a really light coloured, um, which I love, lilac colour. And yeah, it just looks perfect against the red. I think it's like got the softness to it, whereas the red can feel quite. Um, intense so do colors have any specific meaning or messaging behind them for you or is it kind of purely visual when you work with color I feel like yes they all have like different different meanings when it comes to different pieces um but it is purely visual I also feel like there's like a bit of like an instinct like I'm drawn to certain colors Mm. just because and then when I start painting it means something else so I feel like I'm always drawn to the color red. Um, I can't fully explain why, but I like that it has um, a whole range of meanings. Like the most obvious being like like romance and love, but then also on that same no, on like the opposite end of the scale, it can be like violence and anger. Like it has so much range just for one color. Uh, so I yeah. like. I think that's what I like about red. It's so um like flexible in that way yeah whereas like some colors like maybe like yellow I feel like are a bit more fixed like it doesn't have that like um it has like a like a I always see it yeah I feel like it always has this like kind of positive kind of like richness Mm -hmm. to it and doesn't have that darker side to it so 
Yeah. yeah. And have you always had this sensibility for colour or is it something that came into your practice later on? Um, I think so. Maybe maybe it's a thing that comes from family. Like if I look at like the way uh, when I look at past family photos and the way that like family dress, it's just every colour possible and every pattern possible. And <laughs> the bolder, the better, the more patterns, the better. And it's like designer, intense designer. Um, but I like that. And I think to others, it can look really intense and full on and maybe just like uh, not stylish, but I like it. I like putting those, like, I don't necessarily dress like that, but in my work, I like to play with colour and be fun in that way. So Yeah. And then coming back to you being in New York, strolling through the streets with like your own <laughs> personal soundtrack going, was that trip to New York one of many? Was it the first time you'd been by yourself? Can you just contextualise? Why, why were you in New York? Um, how did that come about? So I really wanted to have um, like a, a holiday before I had like um, like surgery. So it was my first first. Not it was one of the last things that I wanted to do before that. So it was like a, mm -hmm. I just need to go somewhere and enjoy life. I've been to New York before, but it often feels like I'm working or doing something that is mm -hmm. just like there and back. Whereas this felt like a time I could actually um, take my own time and like catch up with my like friends that I've made out there and go to exhibitions and just like walk around and like do nothing I feel like in London I'm always doing something I'm always doing yeah. something and there's not enough yeah. nothing time and there's not enough time to appreciate living in the city walking around and strolling whereas I feel mm -hmm. like I'm only able to have that rest when I leave so yeah. yeah I think that makes sense I mean I think that's quite natural and I think especially the way that London is it really does encourage this like this quite quick pace to things um, even the way, and I, I actually, I also think kind of arts as an industry also very much en encourages this kind of productivity. And Hadja and I were speaking about this a little bit in the first episode of the podcast about um, slowing down and like taking time and actually experiencing life. I think so often, I mean, I myself for sure, like I've had so many periods, majority of kind of just like going at 100 miles an hour and blazing through you know this more than anyone because you've been there and seen that for me and yeah um actually not being able to just do everyday things and like stroll yeah like take time I mean well even things like we were supposed to go on a bike ride and our second bike ride even though it's actually the blistering of winter right now um <laughs> but hopefully coming cold. into spring yeah. we'll actually like take that <laughs> yeah take let's that do that to let's go do on that, that ride and like yeah and like do those things and I completely feel the same where I'm not able to kind of relax or like soak up the day as much as when I'm away. And I don't know what the industry needs to do or what we can do to kind of like do that for ourselves more. Yeah, while we are I think it's I think it's freelancing, but also pick like New York isn't exactly the most relaxing city. I think, <laughs> um, I think to pick <laughs> it's just that for me, it's just I've grown up watching so many rom-coms and um like my favorite show is Ugly Betty and in that yeah that New comes York, into your fourth impression <laughs> yeah like New York is just like it's just I think I'm just seeing it through like uh rose tinted glasses so it it has that kind of feeling for me whereas I'm sure to other people that is like the worst probably the most intense second intense place <laughs> maybe after London to go to so yeah so when did you start watching Ugly Betty 
Okay, so I have an, an OG fan. <laughs> I was watching this like from when it was on TV, but I actually rewatch it like every other year. Wow. <laughs> That's Great. how much I love the show. Um, so what is it about it? Because I don't think I've ever watched it. I've only seen like clips and bits here and there. Oh, I got it on DVD. It okay, here we'll say. Wow. Um, so what, so, sorry, what are we going to be watching that DVD on since this isn't 2002? You yeah. know our computers do not have a disk drive. How is, do you have that a That is very true. No, no. Actually, <laughs> you know what? I'm actually busting jokes at you, but I have two DVDs upstairs that I couldn't find <laughs> in high enough quality online, so I bought the DVDs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what, like, give me a rundown on why Ugly Betty is so good and how it's informed you as a, as a person, as an artist. Okay, so obviously, not a lot of shows from, like, I'd say, like, maybe five years plus age well. Um, but what I like about <laughs> it's true. Yeah, America's Next Top Model is not really <laughs> anymore, is it? <laughs> we definitely do not age well. But what I like about the show is that I think that it still touches upon a lot of um, topics and themes and issues that make a lot of shows back then weren't even really talking about. Like you, um, like you had a main character that was POC, and you also had um, like gay characters, you had trans characters in it. I think. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of things in the show that you can unpack, but what I liked the show was just, I don't know, I felt like I learned a lot from it in ways, like I like the way that, well, like the the gist of it is that you've got Betty who is trying to break into uh, the publishing industry and ends up um, into the fashion industry and it actually is really testing for her. Um, okay. But ultimately, at the end, like everyone, call, like the show is called Ugly Betty, and everyone sees her as ugly. And I think my favorite thing is the title at the end, because the camera pans up to the sky and it says Ugly Betty, and then the ugly just vanishes away because she was never actually <laughs> ugly. She was never actually <laughs> ugly. It was just the industry, and it was the way that people treated her. Mm. And then you realize that actually she was a very smart and like um, very. Uh, uh, funny and like creative person who just needed to be given the chance and pe- and so yeah I think a lot of people mm. can relate so it's like that kind of like underdog um that yeah. underdog thing that I think many people can relate to in ways and why I uh, uh link back to it in this show was mostly for like the aesthetic so the colors the set design um they have like these like uh, the the studios there for like the magazine are like white walls and everything, but then they have like pops of like orange absolutely everywhere, and then red and like mm. and also Betty's actual outfits are like color clashing, pattern clashing, and uh, are so bold. I just like the choices of color, so I think it's mm. more of like a visual influence that it's like influenced the show in that way. And um, but I think also like it's important to mention having a bipoc character as a main character because when we grew up, like that was a rarity unless you had trouble on a, as a channel. Um, and realistically, the other only other things we had were what like that's a raven. Like it was such a. I think now it's easy to forget how little of that we saw when we were younger because there's so much more of it now. Um, yeah but I see well how old were you you're probably like a teenager yeah I was was a teenager and actually I think I would I was drawn anyway to a lot of shows that 
um, you know, the characters weren't white. Like, I love Moesha and I love, like, yeah. uh, Trouble because you had, like, the Parkers and, like, shows with, like, black oh, families. Yeah, one on one. Yeah, like, I loved all Girlfriend. of those, shows. like, in Taina, I loved all of those shows. Mm. Um, also, Kaching, a moment for Kaching. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got to talk about Black British shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, they were great. And I loved, uh, I loved those shows. And I think, like, I, I made sure to, like, like, they just connected a lot more with, like, even though, like, um, like, even though, like, it's different experience between, like, me and, like, like, Betty, like, Suarez, it's still, of course, I guess it's still, like, but some of, like, the family values are similar, and the way that the family um, functions and works are similar, and, like, also being the other in a, in an industry, like, for her industry, which was, like, predominantly, like, a, a white, and so I think it was, I don't know. I just really love the show. So it just had to be. Also, I love that you were really not down to spoil anything about Travis Alabanza, but Ugly Betty, you went straight to well, the final it's, scene. It's not like a. <laughs> well, there's been, first of all, there's been plenty of years for anyone to catch up on the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. It doesn't fully spoil, it doesn't um, fully spoil the show, but I mean, that's just my favorite, <laughs> favorite part. So. Even though Your it's rushed. And I mean, it's. But yeah, that's another. It's important. It's definitely important. It, it's rushed. Well, like just like the last season is rushed, but let's not get into that. Oh, well, <laughs> how many seasons are there? I think that there are four, four, five. Okay, okay. So, okay, so there are not many. What it sounds again like seeing that early in your, I guess, creative like career. I will say, um, with the colors and the set and the outfits and all those things already were starting to kind of shape the way that you would start to world build within your paintings, even um, in Blue Glass Fortunes, which was your show at Beers Gallery in, was that 2018, 19? I think, 18. I think yeah, I think 2000, 2019 possibly. 2019, I remember in, yeah, in Blue Glass Fortunes, um, seeing your work and seeing, starting to really, see that world building with those blue glasses that were in it um and the scenes that you portray and the, the furniture that's in them and the table that the one that's got a table and then the bathroom with the tiles and I think the world which your I don't know do you call them characters from your paintings your the people yeah just what, what do you call them uh I don't know because it's like, sometimes I say people but in many ways they're just like they are people that I know and they're also mixed in with myself. So they're self-portraits and the portraits of people I know. So it's a merge of everything. Yeah. Say people. Yeah. So so you have the people in the the paintings and the illustrations, the work, um, the context in which you situate them is always so intentional, so important, and so impactful. And I think that was what was another really in- interesting thing about your show feeling good where you actually built that jazz club in the gallery and like had the music and the space and you would walk through this hallway that had all the smaller works on the walls and then you'd enter the kind of larger room with the piano is kind of set and staging something that you want to kind of experiment more of in your work or um yeah how do you see that kind of coming into it I also really am waiting for the Joy Yamasangi furniture line and the interiors line because I feel like that has to be coming. At okay, some point. so first of all, that a hundred percent, I would love to do that. That just I need to put more time into that because I it would it would just be like it's something I've always wanted to do actually um, because I was really interested in mm. product design. 
Um, but in terms of like okay. uh, set design, I think that was a fir- yeah, that was the first time I've ever done something like that. And I think the space allowed for that kind of work, like more installation side. So I was given like the tools to be able to explore that. Um, yeah, it was and then when it comes yeah it was it was definitely new a new way of working to like actually create the environment that it's in and I think it would be a lot harder to do it for a show like this because there are so many uh different settings it it goes from uh like a diner to like a like a hospital to a bedroom and to an alleyway there's like there's so many different settings at once that I think it would be quite Mm. tricky to do Uh, but hopefully so I've made like a playlist to accompany it and hopefully that helps paint a picture of what it could sound like and and build I don't know build that environment in mind for someone who's yeah absolutely do you know what I've also just remembered and then what I've also just remembered Hmm. um (laughs) this is actually ties back to Ugly Bay again um so (laughs) there is an episode where she rides a mechanical bull (laughs) it's just come to (laughs) mind So yeah. sure, it just it only just came to your mind after the whole show is basically based around this fancy of it, doing it a riding must a mechanical be sub- bull. Yeah, it must be subconscious <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I think it's a performance piece that you do next. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I actually <laughs> find one and bring it into the space. So yeah, who knows? <laughs> and then for furniture, what it, what are you making? Like, what if you were going to make one piece that you had to start? soon like tomorrow what would that be i would make a sofa yeah i would make a sofa i think it's just it is the comfiest piece of furniture you can make it is something that you can like like just lounge on you can sit like uh, regularly you can like hang out there with friends it's like the next place no it's probably the best place to be in a house like the most comfortable okay. yeah it's like the sofa it's like okay, sofa and then it's like your, um, a bed so. okay great well I can't wait to see that to to have that <laughs> also <laughs> um and then kind of going back into space um tell us about your last impression yeah so my last impression um last year was like the first time I'd ever been to like a drag king night and I went to one called um Les Majesty I think that's how you say it and uh that influenced the show quite a lot I would say like the characters well what I what I liked about it actually was you had all these people who then created characters out of I don't know it was like the most like the most uh, unexpected things like you'd have somebody who was uh, I'm trying to think of something really random somebody dressed as a bug or somebody dressed as um my mind has just gone blank but people like create (laughs) create characters and then make a whole performance based off that character um okay wow and I made a painting in the show that is called like king of drag and um it just picks up like the different elements from like the uh like the I think it's called like the posturing and like like the posing and then also um yeah I just wanted to I just wanted to like kind of document 
that moment and that feeling. Um, yeah. It was something that influenced the show because it was just, it was something I'd never really seen before and I really enjoyed it. And it's just really creative. And like some some performances are a little bit more fun. Like the people just like uh, lip syncing to music, but they like chop it and screw it in really like uh, funny and creative ways. So it feels like a, a comedy set. Mm-hmm. And some are more like, like actual interaction with uh with the audience so they feel like it's a bit yeah a bit like a comedy set still but I like the confidence okay. of each person that goes on stage like it must take a lot to go on stage as this new character and um absolutely and the outfits are always like um like super shiny or covered in jewels or like a really colorful suit and it's just the kind of thing that you don't see people walking around in every day, but in this nighttime yeah. setting, you've got all these like drag kings and like just like thriving. So yeah, it was yeah. like like going back to like that that song and thinking about like ways that um ways that you want to be remembered and the things that people do to be remembered. I was thinking about like wanting to be great and wanting to be um like the best performer wanting to be like the king of drag or like have this kind of influence on like the queer community like that kind of feeling of like going up on stage mm-hmm. and being remembered by this performance um mm. yeah there was yeah it was it was a moment that well I went to quite a few other um other nights as well and I think they just kind of stuck with me as a whole so mm. and so how do you if there were one or a couple of things that you would want people to remember you by, what would that be? Um, that is a really good question. Um, when I master my mechanical bull skills, that would probably be one of them. Uh, I would like to be remembered. I don't know. I kind of split it into half, like one in terms of like my work and then one in terms of like personal, in terms of personal I'd want to be remembered as somebody who tried a lot and also had a lot of faith and confidence. Um, whether absolutely whether that is in myself and things that I can do, or in my friends and believing that they can do these things as well and do the things mm. that they dream of. And in terms of my work, uh, I want to, I want it to be. Uh, I don't I don't know if I want to to be remembered on like a huge grand scale I'd just be happy with at least like it inspiring somebody to make or create something themselves or um have some kind of feeling about it so mm. yeah I think I think in that in that sense you should already be so proud and so happy at who you are and what you've created because even in the bodies of work which you've made so far and you're not even 30 yet um <laughs> soon 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 I was say, soon, very soon. <laughs> life still continues soon, soon. And in fact, <laughs> actually when when this episode comes out we would have already celebrated your 30th birthday absolutely I and absolutely i hope that i i hope um, and i will still be painting i'll still be making i'll still be of yeah. course of course but I think like the impact of your work has it started to touch me and inspire me before we even became friends. And again, having your work well tattooed on my hand, also on my neck, but on my hand where I have this feeling of closeness to you as someone who 
is one of the most supportive, loving, warm, kind people um, in my life and in the life of many and those who, who, you know, really have the honor and the pleasure of calling you a friend or having somebody in their community and your smile is so bright. And I think your smile and your joy and your presence um, is so present within your work. And it really is just a gift to be around it. So just rounding this off with me being your biggest fan. But thank you. Honestly, thank you for for being you and for the work that you create because you you allow me to be me. Um, and that's just really gorgeous. So thank you, Joy. No, thank you for having me. It's been nice to actually like talk through uh, each of the like influences for the show it's, and some of them sometimes sound a little bit silly but it's nice to be able to have that chat and like not at all you know like yeah it's not silly because actually like if one is influenced by ugly betty that we then, are yeah, like, absolutely. And, <laughs> and we will and that's, it. that's all power to us <laughs> i mean i will not sign up for the viewing session at your house <laughs> i'm happy to pass on that one but i will come to the none of the above reading whenever that is happening <laughs> so yeah thank you so much for for joining me and thank you to everyone for listening and we will catch you next time thank you